Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. We're spoiled, um, and it's just awesome because, man, I'm feeling it today. Are you guys feeling it today? There was a post up this week that says, what are some things that your pastor says? And someone said, there wasn't really like a thing. It was just, it was this. Let's go. Yeah, I do that all the time. Um, so let's go. I, today I get to talk about something I am uh, deeply passionate about, actually. And uh, it's just it's, it's uh, interesting because some reason the word I want to talk about or the concept or the idea is triggering for a lot of people. A lot of church people get triggered by this word. Uh, so just brace yourself. Um, over the years, I've actually seen even people preach against this word. And so I'm very excited uh, to be able to talk about it this morning. Um, so like I said, let's go. I, I, I don't understand uh, why um, this word would be troubling for people. Um, because not only does it make sense to me, but I would argue that people who are a little triggered by this word are missing one of the main things that Jesus talks about. I think that the Bible talks about um, the early church leaders modeled. And so here we go. This is the word. I'm going to put it on the screen in nice big letters. It is the word relevance. Relevance. Now, let me just say this right off the bat. Our take on relevance has been in our DNA for as long as I could remember. If you go to our page and say, hey, what is your church all about? And there's a kind of a list of some core values there. This is on that list. It is deeply embedded into our culture here at Hope Church. And it's there on purpose. And today I get to talk about it. I get to talk about it. Because I think other than seeing people come to Jesus and the light turning on for them and be able to walk with him. I think this is the thing I am most passionate about talking about and thinking through as a leader and as a pastor. Uh, back in week one of this series, uh, I, I talked about um, the stirring that goes on in our hearts. And again, this is a series, this whole series called Moving Forward is a series about our church. Where are we going? What are we about? Why do we do what we do? How are we structured? Where are we going with all that stuff? So it's moving forward. Also, again, take liberties to take this and apply it to yourself personally as well because there's kind of a dual purpose there. Um, but as we get through the series, um, the first week we talk about there's a stirring. It starts with something that God puts deep inside your heart. And I talked about this term, not um, uh, my term, is another pastor's term, holy discontent. And this is one of the holy discontents of my life. And so I want to talk about it. So, relevance. Relevant means that we are tuned in. Oh, by the way, 
you might want to take notes today. I'm just saying. There will be a bunch of slides, and again, online, same thing. You could follow along. You might want to take some notes today. Relevance means you are tuned into something, okay? Relevance means that you are connected in some way. Being relevant means that you are making a contribution to the matter that is at hand. Being relevant means that what you have to offer, or again, in our case, what the church has to offer is pertinent to the conversation that's going on. Relevance is about connection. I want you to write that down. Relevance is about connection. Listen, if the church isn't connecting, I'm going to make a strong statement here. If the church isn't being relevant to the matter at hand, if it isn't making itself matter to the matter at hand, the church is failing. I'm going to say that again because you all need to hear that. If the church isn't making itself matter to the matter at hand, the church is failing. You see, because without relevance, we have very little influence. Without being relevant to the conversation, we will have very little influence. In his most famous sermon that he ever preached, we're going right straight to Jesus here. We find this in Matthew chapter 5. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a crowd of people gathering around. And Jesus talks to themselves and uh, talks to this crowd of followers and non-followers. And he is talking to his followers and he uses two illustrations that I think are important to this conversation. So we're going to look at Matthew 5 and start in verse 13. If you're following along in your Bibles, I will also have them on the screen. It says this, you are the salt of the earth. And I love this next phrase, but what good is it? If salt has lost its flavor. I've got salt here. You're the salt of the earth, you people who follow Jesus, but what good is it if it's bad salt? We see, we don't have a very high view of salt, do we? We just think of salt as the thing that we put on the table next to the pepper. That's how we think of salt. It's kind of like very, you know, it's just we take it for granted. It's a mundane thing that we have, right? But when it's used correctly, you all know this, when it's used correctly, it brings out flavors that you never knew were there. Just think about that beautiful burger on the grill. You put some salt and pepper on that thing, it's perfect, man. You do just the right amount, right? It amplifies the flavor of our food. And by the way, as the older I get, the more salt I use. It just goes with the territory. It amplifies the flavor of the thing. It brings a whole new dimension to the food itself. And here's the thing. I want to, again, the Bible's written a long time ago. Don't let it be lost on you that in that day they did not have electricity, 
which means they did not have refrigerators, which means that they also were applying this, and it was used as a preservative. It was preserving the food there as well. It was a preservation method. So the salt preserves the integrity of the thing. And so this brilliant, relevant illustration by Jesus made perfect sense to his listeners. And I love the way the message version of this passage is written. Listen to what it says. It says, let me tell you, this is Jesus talking, why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out, note this, the God flavors of the earth. And if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness. And we'll end up in the garbage. But then he goes on and he talks about a second illustration. Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. No one covers it up, right? Instead, no, a lamp is placed on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, let your goodness shine out for all to see. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Why don't you take out your phone? Everybody take out your phone. Come on, do this with me. I want you to turn on your flashlight on your phone and just throw it up there. You are the light of the world. We use this to see where we need to go and what we need to do. Listen to the way the message, we're going we're to keep this up while I read the message version of this. Check this out. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. No, we're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket. I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that you are there on that hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. There's a generous Father in heaven. You could put your phones away. Jesus is telling his followers that they are to be salt and light. And their connection to others, what they bring to the table, they're tuned into their guests. And we're there to open them up to God, not turn them off. And so being relevant means that we are making every effort we possibly can to connect with people. The way we connect with them is where they are at. We use communication methods that are going to connect. We use language that is going to connect. Could be music. We, 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 need to, we need to ask the right questions. I was reading an article this week, and this is what this article said. It says, relevant churches take care not to spend their time answering questions that nobody in the community is asking. 
Instead, they speak to the timely issues of our day with the timeless truths of Scripture, showing how God cares about the things that matter to us most and provide the best path forward in everything that we do. Listen, we are tuning into people so that we can be absolute light, salt, clarity, connection for them to experience Jesus. And I would say, if the church is being like Jesus, then we'll be a relevant church. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes why people might object to this word, to this idea of relevance. Maybe some of you have heard some of the same things that I have, or maybe some of you have wrestled with these things. Objection number one. Relevance means the church is just trying to be cool. No. Stop equating relevance with the cool factor and start equating relevance with the connection factor. Objection number two, I hear. Relevance means... That the, tr- uh, the truth of God's word is just being watered down. That's what really when churches say that. Why do, we, why do we jump there? No. Stop equating relevance with worldliness, people. And start equating relevance with the wisdom that we find in God's word. Here's another objection, Possibly. Relevance means that the church is afraid to be offensive. And this is how the logic, as I understand it from people, might go. Okay? Well, the Bible says that the gospel is offensive. Uh, Okay. Maybe. Therefore, uh, and also, Jesus was never afraid of offending anyone. Maybe. Therefore... We should never be concerned about being offensive. We shouldn't care about what the world thinks. We should care about what sinners and outside the church think. Uh, We shouldn't uh, care about that. We should only care about what God thinks. Now this sounds very holy and righteous. And honestly, it's where I think the enemy does some of his best work with things that sound good. But let's, let's talk about this for a second. Because honestly, if this weren't so sad to me, it would almost be comical. It's bad logic. And and, and, and the spiritual pride, I think, that comes up with this kind of logic should be incredibly concerning to the thoughtful Christian. And I want us here to be thoughtful Christians. You see, the message of the gospel may be offensive To the hearer. But listen to me. The messenger is never to be offensive. I'm going to say that again. This is a note taken day. The message of the gospel may be offensive to the hearer. But the messenger ought not to be offensive. Truth is often offensive. Truth brings the reality to a situation. We have to be confronted with truth. But the truth bearer does not need to be offensive. 
Listen to this verse. This is where some of this comes from. 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But those who are being saved, we know it is the very power of God. The power of who? The power of who? It's the power of God. God is the one who is going to do the work. We're to be faithful. We're to speak truth in love. We are not going to convince them. God's spirit needs to convince them. Colossians 4 verses 5 and 6 says this. Live wisely, thoughtfully among those who don't believe. Make the most of every opportunity. Again, I could just go off for hours. I won't. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now here's the interesting thing about that. Some of your versions might say, let your conversation be seasoned with some salt. I love when God's word connects all together. Please, do not let your spiritual pride blind you to the fact that you also, Christian, are a sinner that needs the grace of God before you came to Christ and made that decision and all the way through even till now. Don't let your spiritual pride get in the way so much that you no longer have eyes to see a person in desperate need of hearing truth. And do not let your pride prevent you from the meaningful conversation and connection, connection with people that you are called to be salt and light to. So let's use an example other than Jesus. Let's use Paul's example. He goes, when I was with the Jews, this is 1 Corinthians 9, verses 20 through 23. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. And so when I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Oh, but when I'm with the Gentiles, he says, who do not follow the Jewish law, I also live apart from that Jewish law so I can bring them to Christ. I don't ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground, connection, relevance with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything. And I underlined that in my Bible. Everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Listen, listen. The church ought to be distinct from the world, but we are not to be detached from it. So what might relevance look like? Maybe this is a, this is a logical question coming out of that. So what do, you, what do you mean, Tom, when you talk about this? Well, first of all, we are going to use language here that people understand. We're going to use language that people understand. We'll use solid translations of the Bible that are easy to read and connect with. We're not going to use churchy language around here. And if we do, we're going to use it on purpose. And we're going to explain what we mean when we say that thing. We're going to sing music. And by the way, music is a language. We're going to sing music largely that is contemporary and makes sense 
to the hearers of it. You know, I thought about this this week as I was thinking about this too. Um, when, when I talk with a kid, and when we talk with kids, a lot of times we go like this, right? Why do we do that? Because we're making a connection. We want them to be able to see it. We want them to see that we're on their level, right? We want to use words. We're going to use, choose our words more carefully with a child than we would with an adult. Because we need to make connection and effort. We're going to embrace technology. I was just talking about some with this uh, this morning. Because technology is connection. Do you realize that? Technology connects, can be connection. So we're thinking about new ways that we could connect with people. It's the language of the world and we could easily meet in this space. Uh, we're going to be curious about the interests of people in our world. I, I, I feel like so often churches and Christians are just not connected in that way. We don't know the conversations that are actually happening. We need to be curious about that. And as we look at the people we're trying to reach, especially young families and singles and young professionals, we, do, we ask the question, what are they interested in? What do they need? What kinds of questions are they asking? What kinds of issues are they struggling with? And we'll do our best to speak into those questions and connect in ways that interest them. We're not going to be shy about speaking into the matters at hand, but with love and with grace and understanding. Connection. And we're going to demonstrate excellence in all that we do. Because excellence connects. And I wrote this down. If, if relevance is about connection, excellence is about conviction. So when I, was, when I started out this series, I had this as kind of like a separate topic, and I was just going to kind of go talk about relevance for a bit and talk about um, excellence. So I, I am going to just sidebar here for just a couple minutes, if you bear with me, because this is another holy discontent. Sometimes it's another bad word in church world. If I were to put excellence up there in big letters, some people would start to be like, uh, Here's why I think some people object. They say, well, well, God isn't looking for perfection. Well, again, let's stop confusing excellence with perfection. Being excellent at something does not mean we are looking to get something perfect. What it means is we're bringing our best, very best, to the table. Another objection could be, well, hey, good intent matters more than good execution. You know, God really is most concerned with the heart. He concerned, you know, he's concerned about the heart attitude. And, and, actually, and actually, Tom, God works best in our weakness. Listen, listen, giving our best to God matters because excellence shows value and worth. It shows respect for God, but it also respect, shows uh, respect for other people and for ourselves. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it 
well. I'm going to keep going. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 to 33. Whatever, whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, in this phrase, with the best part of everything you produce. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 1 Corinthians 14.40, let all things be done decently and in order. And you say, well, that's kind of a weird verse maybe to use here. But again, if you go back to the original language that the Bible's written, I was looking at this this week, that word decently has several translations. And one of the translations that's most commonly used in others is this word beautiful. Let everything you do be with beauty and honor. We give our best because God gave his best. And excellence is the very character of God. So let me get back on, on track here. When we get back to in all this conversation, we talk about relevance. There's another verse I want to throw at you. Romans 1.16 says this. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. It's the power of what? It's the power of who? Without relevance, we have very little influence. Get this. When we make the gospel irrelevant, it means that we think what we think is more important than what God thinks. Again, I'm just going to let that sit with you for a second. When we make the gospel irrelevant, it means that we think what we think is more important than what God thinks. We are called to connect in the very best ways that we can with those around us. As I wrap up, I want to talk about a few connection killers, if I can. There are three of them, and I'm going to go super quick with these. And I've already talked about the first one in some way. Number one connection killer, I believe, our pride. It's our pride. We get very easily settled into doing things, again, especially in church world, but it applies apply it to your life. And it, 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 we get settled into the way things have been done because they worked. They worked for a time, sure. They worked in the past. But sometimes that limits us from exploring better ways and more relevant ways to connect. And our pride just gets in the way of that. I think it's a connection killer. Here's another connection killer. Complacency. It's very easy, as you know, to become uh, complacent. And I looked up the definition of this, and I don't always love to, like, give definitions because sometimes I think that's an easy way out. But I loved the way Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines this, and I think it's important. It says, this is what complacency is. Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. And I see this so often in the church that we have become unaware 
of the deficiencies around us. And we don't even know how to speak into them if we could. And we could become complacent. We could just sit back. And we could have our negative view of the world. We could be pessimists all day long. Final thing. I think a connection killer is an, uh, an echo chamber. You guys know that term, echo chamber? I'm going to describe it to you. An echo chamber happens when a group of like-minded people together and they basically believe and think the same way and they're continually talking through issues. They may be even trying to problem solve it, but the problem is they don't have any outside perspective. It's just an echo. They're talking the same thing. And what happens with that is then you begin to develop something is called confirmation bias. Well, we think, you know, that's the way it is. So then we all have, everything around us is the same idea. And we don't look for getting other kinds of perspectives or even rebuttals. And so this confirmation of what you think might be true is just confirmed by other people who are in the same exact boat that they think might be true. Oh, of course it's true. Then we all think it's true. It's an echo chamber. It just keeps going in circles. I think churches are famous for this. So, pride, complacency, echo chambers are connection killers. Listen, as we move forward as a church, I want everyone to know that we are going to do our very best to connect with people right where they are. Not because it's cool, not because we have any desire to water down the truth of God's word. In fact, just the opposite. We are to be truth bearers in a loving, gracious way that connects with those around us. And once again, may I say this, as I've already said in this series. You don't know what the issues or the matters at hand are if you're not with people. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know the people across the street? Do you make connections at your workplace? Are you having conversations with people that are different than you? Who might come from a different background? Who have a different political affiliation? Whatever it might be. You can't do that. You can't connect if we don't know. Let's be self-aware. Let's not be deficient. Jesus, I should say God, made himself relevant to us when he sent his son down to take human form on this earth. Do you realize that? He left the glory of heaven where he could have just sat up there and said, nope, 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 judge, judge, strike. No, no, no. He sent his son, this is what we sing about, this is what we preach, to be made in human skin and human flesh so that he could connect with us right where we are. And so, let's not be afraid of that word. Let's embrace it. And let's move forward together, church. Let's pray. Oh, God, I just would be remiss not to say thank you for sending your son down 
to meet us right where we are. That you didn't have a prideful or complacent spirit. And God, let us not become so pride, proud or complacent that we put barriers between us and the world around us. May we strive to be a church that connects where we can, that is making itself matter to the matters at hand, never giving up on truth, but always looking to be a truth bearer that brings salt flavors in light colors into the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.